1: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say, thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of sitting here with Deborah Bass, who is the global CMO and U.S. president of a hot new tech company called Nuvo. Deborah, hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here, Nadine. Oh, my gosh. I'm honored to be here. I mean, I you're a legend, and I can't wait to dig in more into what you've been doing throughout your career. And then also, um, this hot company, which is really all about reinventing pregnancy care for the 21st century. I mean, it's, it's just radical. It's awesome. Um, But before we get to your latest move, I thought would be good place to start is can you share a little bit about your background? And I think that'll give us great context for why you made the, the choice that you did. Sure. So I'm actually going to start at a formative stage in my
0: education where I discovered a love for marketing. So I was a public policy major at Duke undergrad, and I studied abroad my junior year in London through Newhouse School of Communications and took marketing and communications and PR and fell in love with the practice and said, I need to be a, get into marketing. So I started my career at AT&T in marketing. So way back when, marketing residential long-distance service, (laughs) when there was such a thing to consumers. But it was actually fighting in the trenches because it was a very competitive space with MCI and Sprint coming into play. So got a foundation there, but then went to Ross for general management and marketing and got recruited to my dream job at Procter & Gamble companies. And that really was my foundation in brand building and general management and had the great fortune of working on iconic brands like Tide, like CoverGirl, and building this amazing network of mentors whom I still stay in touch with today. Then after P&G, I started some different twists and turns into a broader array of industries and marketing experiences. So I spent some time at Bristol-Myers Swib in pharmaceuticals, and then I did a 15-year stint at J&J on both the consumer and medical device sides of the house and different commercial roles. I led U.S. Baby, I led U.S. Femcare. I spent six years in orthopedics and medical device and got to do some really interesting marketing while there. Then I went back to consumer, I led the global baby franchise, I led global marketing services, had an amazing experience. I can't say enough good things about J&J as a credo-driven, purpose-driven company that's really advancing health for humanity. But after 20 plus years of corporate experience, I really got the bug to create and build something. And for me, I wanted to thread the needle on marketing and consumer branding and healthcare, and hence the leap to Nuvo and really this opportunity to reinvent pregnancy for a new generation of consumers and really advance care and make it more mom
1: centered. Wow, okay. So there's so much goodness in there. I wanna come back to your time at J and J and talk about your, your last role there because it's such a unique role as president of all marketing services mm-hmm. globally. But while we're on the Nouveau track, I mean, because it's such a cool company, let's let's talk about that for a bit and then we'll come backwards. Sure. So tell us about Nuvo a little bit more about what you guys are doing. So I'm going to start because part
0: of what's always intriguing and inspiring about a startup is the founder story. So I'm not the founder, but the founder, Orin Oz, actually had a personal pain point with his wife, behind a high-risk pregnancy. And his wife had to go through very tight monitoring and almost had an emergency C-section that they didn't need because the tools were really imprecise and dated. And while his wife was going through this period where she was told she needed a C-section, they were going back and forth to the hospital every day to get plugged into a wall for monitoring. And he was watching what he describes as the whole city coming back and forth to get monitored. It was 2014. And he said, two big ahas. One, this is 2014, data should travel, not women. And two, I want to free the woman from the wall because pregnancy is a black box and no one knows what's happening inside the womb in between those intermittent doctor visits. So that was sort of his personal pain point and inspiration to reinvent pregnancy. There has to be a better way. And he's a data scientist and an engineer. And he created this really innovative platform to monitor pregnancy, but also to capture the data because ultimately it's a big data and AI play to get to better pathways for pregnancy management.
1: Wow, okay. So I visited your website because it was the first time I'd heard of the brand and I am super impressed. I mean, it looks amazing. And it's like one of those moments where you're like, why didn't this happen before? I mean, because this is such a no brainer. Like, we need this so badly in the entire healthcare system, and, and women obviously need it, as well as the husbands who are sitting there panicking equally, right? So, well done. And uh, what is your plan right now? I mean, how long have you been there? And you're now leading both global marketing and you're also the US president. So, like, how does that work? So
0: I wear two hats, and where we are right now is the first launch of the product is actually a medical device. So we just submitted to the FDA for clearance, and that FDA approval will anchor our route to market. The U.S. is our lead market. And we're looking to launch with innovative health systems, we're looking at academic medical centers, we're looking at some really innovative progressive health systems to get adoption. And really what we're offering is what we call a connected pregnancy experience, where we make the mother the point of care and let data seamlessly connect visits across the OB office, across the workplace, across the home, across the hospital, because again, Data should travel, not women. And let's really deliver mother-centered, connected care.
1: Wow. Okay. So I am uh, so impressed because uh, you are hitting on all of the important marketing topics uh, today uh, between the application of technology, the use of data, AI, innovation, communication. I mean, the way that you're communicating the benefits is is just Spot on. I'm just wondering, like, how do you think about that? I mean, you're you're still you're quite small still compared to J and J. I mean, how many people do I you have? I Two
0: hundred people at J and J, and I have three people now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm one of the three people. <laughs> so then there were three. I was
0: employee one in the U.S.
1: I love. So that. it's
0: definitely a sea change of
1: experience and and a very different perspective, right? Yeah. Well, and that's a whole new set of. Skills, too, that you yourself have to leverage without having such a big team. Like, how do you get your arms around it all? So what's really exciting, too,
0: is for the brand for nuvo I started with a white sheet of paper. So we have this amazing technology, but there was no brand. And when I was employee one, I really leaned on agency partners that were my arms and legs and inspiration and thought partners to develop the Nuvo brand. And our brand idea is all for one. And it's all about galvanizing a community of care in service of mom. Because again, it takes a village to reinvent pregnancy and it's the doctor and it's the nurses and it's the other moms and it's this whole support system, the caregivers, the partner. So All for One is the big brand idea. We had to define and build the brand from the bottom up and express it behind what's our tagline of give life a better beginning. And what's really interesting is there's, something called the Barker hypothesis that what happens in the womb is predictive of future health outcomes. So give life a better beginning is not only about early start of life, but actually
1: lifelong health. I love that. Oh, so fascinating. I love your tagline too. Um, give life a better beginning. That that's, that's fantastic. Um, okay. So I'm really excited to see what you're going to do with this because uh, you're relatively new still in this role Um, And I'm glad you mentioned agency partners, because you and I just spent uh, a great day together a couple of weeks ago talking about the future of agencies, because you did so much work at J&J in your um, role, wearing your hat as president of marketing services. Can you share a little bit about that experience? and, And that was such a unique role. Like, how did you even think about that? So what was so
0: exciting about Global President of Marketing Services at, at, at J&J was the opportunity to modernize the marketing playbook and the skill sets and the capabilities of the organization. And where it really challenged me as a leader is I had all of these specialist areas reporting into me where I didn't have the expertise. So I had insights and analytics and I had integrated marketing communications and I had the customer care center and I had marketing excellence. So it was really about how to pull out the best From each of my leaders and make them better. Also challenge them to look around the corner to see what's next and help bring others along. It's not only seeing the future, it's guiding others to the future and then also putting that in practice through different kinds of experiments and learning exchanges And finding brands that have the courage to be pioneers and and lead out front and sort of show the way to the others.
1: Yeah. And you actually did like the entire global mapping exercise across all your partner ecosystem and redesigned it, right? So much of
0: what we started with was reinventing integrated marketing communications and to develop a playbook and different kinds of skill sets and tools to develop big global brand ideas that could be expressed locally with relevance and resonance, right? So new tools a new playbook, but then we needed partners to open up that new model. And we were very tethered to traditional creative agencies and really needed to broaden the roster in an integrated way to include the data scientists and the digital partners and the analysts and the media agencies and, and the Googles and the Facebooks to really all be at the table together to deeply understand the consumer and to be hyper relevant in her
1: life. Yeah. And you actually did that globally across many countries. And you mentioned the word systemic change before. Um, and when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, how do you create systemic change across multiple countries with multiple interpretations of what's happening?
0: So the way to create systemic change is to actually get all of the -the on-the-ground marketers to buy into the movement. It has to be a bottoms-up movement with top-down support. And that's the way we approached it, that there was support from the top and very strong backbone there. But we traveled all around the world to make sure the marketer on the ground saw relevance, was inspired to upskill, learn new skills and lead the way. And reverse mentoring was part of this bottoms up movement. I probably learned more (laughs) from the younger marketers about how to connect and communicate today than many of the more senior leaders in the ecosystem.
1: Wow. Okay. So, much in there. I, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't decide which way I want to go. I'm laughing because I remember some of the stories you were sharing with me about recognizing and appreciating cultural differences and in all your travels globally. Can you share a couple stories where you had a few aha moments? Sure. So one of my
0: insights is it's very different to work for an American company and to go to a foreign country as part of an American company versus to go to a Japanese company in Japan, as an example. So one of my hiatuses that I didn't mention in the broader journey is I did a one-year stint at Panasonic. I led North American Marketing, a very traditional Japanese company. And in 2007, surprisingly, I was one of the highest-ranking women at Panasonic as a vice president. So I went with my very American lens to Japan, and I like to hug people. For those that know me, I'm super warm and and very extroverted. I overwhelmed people. So don't hug people you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you know, read the culture more before you show up as yourself. I was able to show up as myself when I went to Japan as part of J&J or P&G because they were more Americanized. At Panasonic, read the culture, adapt your style. And those were some clunky lessons I learned the hard way. But, I, but at least I had a sense of humor about it and was able to get others to have a sense of humor about it.
1: Yeah, you certainly do have a great sense of humor. That's why I'm laughing. I mean, we could talk about your global experiences for the rest of this podcast and we'd never get through it all. Um, it's amazing. But you, you did mention, too, you were one of the most senior ranking women as a VP of marketing. Um, and I know you actually have dedicated so much of your time professionally and personally to helping women grow in leadership positions. Can you talk a little bit about your activities there?
0: So women's leadership has always been a passion of mine, and I've been very fortunate to have good mentors throughout my career. One that I'll give a shout out to is Deb Henretta, who is one of my first bosses at p and has been a lifelong mentor. And actually, she just joined the board of Nouveau. So you see, sort of ah. uh, I joke the tide that binds because it was the formative tide years of, <laughs> of the career. But formative mentors like Deb that have inspired me to want to give back to other women. While at J&J, I was very active in what's called WLI, the Women's Leadership Initiative. I started out in medical device, so I moved to medical device. I didn't know the industry. I didn't have a network. I was fortunate. A woman, Kendall O'Brien, who's in finance, I'll give a shout out to Kendall as well, said, I want you to get involved in women's leadership. Thankfully, that was my lifeline. It gave me a whole new network, and it also helped me support other women throughout J&J I ultimately joined the global steering committee as we look to grow women to grow the business and our world which was our mantra at the time outside of WLI at J&J I also got involved in the healthcare women's business association which helped me connect with and mentor and support and get mentorship from other women externally. And one of the points I'll make about networking is it's not only important to do it internally, but also externally. And the last piece of my uh, women's leadership journey, I wanna give a shout out to my last boss at J&J, Allison Lewis, who is a phenomenal leader. And much of what I accomplished in global marketing services was under her inspiration and support and willingness to just let me be me and lead in my own way to have an impact.
1: Okay. Amazing. And I'm so glad you mentioned having both internal and external mentors and smart to keep your mentors really close, (laughs) putting them on the board. That's great. You said your personal motto. Actually, I don't want to even repeat it. I want you to say it because it's much more interesting when you say it. What is your personal motto?
0: So my personal motto is, if it's to be, it's up to me. So what does that mean? What that's meant to me is you have to own it. You have to own your career, know what you want, go for it. You can't expect other people to define your career, to hand you assignments on a silver platter. You have to know what you want. You have to work for it. And I feel like a lot of my career success has been through sweat and hard work and sheer will of knowing what I wanted and going for it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said that too, because at the same time, You know, some might think that you're able to plan for it and you can go for it, which is is absolutely correct and, and true, you can. But you also said your path versus the path. So you sort of wrote your own rules along the way, too absolutely so when
0: i came out of business school and went to p&g there was definitely the path for general management you need to be on a big brand and a small brand and the us and globally and you should have a sales assignment chuck 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 <laughs> what i realized going through that because i started out on that path was i was super passionate about marketing i was super curious to learn about different industries i just started blazing my own path and one really sort of formative career move i made is when i left p to move back to New Jersey for personal reasons, I had an offer from J&J at the time to be the marketing director in baby care, which was a traditional P&L role, or had the opportunity to go to Bristol-Myers Squibb and be part of a whole new group creating classical marketing capabilities for direct-to-consumer marketing and farm and a new breed of pipeline talent into pharmaceuticals. I went for the road less traveled <laughs> and was part of this new formative speculative. (laughs) group because it was so enticing for me to just create something new and be part of a new movement. And that started some of these unconventional moves (laughs) that are hallmarks of Deborah Bass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I said you're a legend. (laughs) You came from some of the world's biggest companies. And as you said, there's very specific career paths within those. And we've all heard about them because hey, look, it's proven, you know, when you go through certain things, you come out on the other end with a well-rounded experience. But on top of that, you've created new roles, redefined roles, done things that were non-traditional. Like, and I know a lot of that's driven from your personal uh, desire to create something new, which obviously Nouveau is new. Uh, So I'm glad to see you doing that. But what advice would you give for people who want to ensure that they get a well-rounded perspective, but are but want to do things differently? Like how do you coach them in, in thinking differently? So one, know what you want. Two, know what you're good at. Three, know
0: the needs of the organization where you are because it needs to be the confluence of those things, your strengths, the needs of the organization, and the opportunities at hand. So how do you thread the needle on those things? Have the courage to pursue what you're passionate about. And the other big piece is find mentors and advocates and ultimately sponsors that give you backbone. Because to succeed in some of these sort of left turns and side moves and broadening assignments, whatever we want to call them, you have to have backbone of people that support you. Because sometimes you trip and fall and oftentimes you need
1: a path back. I love that. That's that's really insightful. You reminded me too of a podcast that I recorded with Leslie Berland, who's the CMO and head of people at Twitter. And we were talking about both mentors and sponsors, and you just used those two words, mentors and sponsors. And often those two things get confused, but they are very different. Can you define what how what is a mentor versus a sponsor? So I'm gonna add a third one
0: in the yeah. middle. So there's mentors there's advocates, and there's sponsors. So mentors are a very democratic concept. Anyone could raise their hand and say, I want a mentor, or I'll be a mentor, and everyone gets one. And those may or may not work out. We all know sometimes there's the chemistry, the click, other times they fizzle, but very democratic. Advocates you earn because people that advocate for you have seen what you're capable of, have seen your results and take a stand for you. Sponsors are that ultimate level of rarity of someone who's willing to put their social capital and political capital on the line to pull you up. And I believe only about 20% of people have real sponsors. And I know it's less for women. I don't know the latest statistics, but sponsors are a rarity. And and honestly, if you can find a sponsor, you're golden
1: because it's everything. Yeah, absolutely. So I really love how you frame that. Mentors, advocates, and sponsors. And I asked Leslie, I said, how do you find a sponsor? And uh, I believe her response was, it happens organically when the sponsor recognizes your contribution And or you just happen to be in the right place at the right time where they can see you and they can invest in you, as you said. How did you find your sponsors or how did that work for you? So earning it through
0: performance and exposure. Mm -hmm. So some of it came through women's leadership because Mm -hmm. I did a lot of programming and drove a lot of engagement. And people saw a different side of my profile beyond a day job as a line business leader or functional leader. Some of it became from performance in the day job. But again, you have to earn it. You mm-hmm. can't ask for it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it comes from unexpected places that people admire you from afar. I'll give you an unconventional example. I have a lot of these, <laughs> and again, it's <laughs> just <kind> of theme. <laughs> part, of, part of the package. So I left J&J for a year and went to Panasonic. I left Consumer, and I had one of my sponsors actually pull me back to the company, but she pulled me to medical device, right? And again, no institutional knowledge and medical device, no network, knew no one. And men were the commercial leaders and the sales force and the surgeons. (laughs) And here I am, this sort of colorful female getting (laughs) plunked in to, to lead marketing and drive demand generation and build a brand. But I had a sponsor that brought me in, and I was very fortunate in having a sponsor that gave me backbone in that environment to create a new brand.
1: Okay, fascinating. Oh my gosh, Deborah, we could sit here and talk for a million years. There's so much I want to learn more, but we are, unfortunately, we are out of time. So I'm going to open it up to you if there's, and then I'm going to ask you my last question, but if there's anything in the world that you want to share with someone who might want to Following your footsteps. Like what thing have you learned along the way that you would say, this is a golden rule? So back to,
0: if it's to be, it's up to me is one. And then the second is follow your passion. People are going to tell you, do this, do that, go this way, go that way. Follow your passion because when you're passionate about something, you could set the world on fire.
1: Yeah. And you're about ready to go set that world on fire in a whole new way. I can't wait to see what you'll do. Before I let you go, though, I have to ask you my now famous last question. And that is, if you weren't doing what you were doing today, and money and talent were no object, what would you be doing? So I'm a frustrated creative. So part of why I come up with these quippy headlines
0: is I love creative and creative writing. I'd go back to school at Princeton where I live for creative writing and I'd become some kind of author or writer or something in the creative world.
1: Oh, I love it. You know, after doing so many of these podcasts now, there are lots of folks I'd like you to, to get together with. We'll create a creative bullpen, and, and the magic that will come from there will be outstanding. I'm so. in. <laughs> well, that is perfect. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been such a pleasure to have you here with me. Thank you so much, Nadine. Talk soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?